0: When you realize you're going in the wrong direction, you stop and turn around. You don't keep going, hoping the destination will move. It's high noon for Monday, November 22nd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The sub stack is I'm your moderator.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 306th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies, you have created a culture so thoroughly dystopian that the social incentives you helped create now reward ever purer forms of evil and you're proud of yourselves for expressing them. And if you're beginning to see the truth of this, if you're beginning to see what your apathy and self-regard have wrought, what you need to do is immediately Leave all that behind. Simply accept that you were wrong and run from all of it as fast as you possibly can. You need to migrate immediately back to America while there is still time. And the way to do that is by leaving all of the stupid and evil communist ideas behind and making amends with all of the people you've shamed and bullied and censored and slandered and tried to get fired from their jobs. And once you do that, all of us on the range, all of us in America will accept you with open arms because the truth is that we want more Americans involved in the project of human liberty and self-governance. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Monday, high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're finally here. It shouldn't have taken this long, but it shouldn't have taken me as long five years ago when I started realizing how screwed up. The Democrat Communist Party actually is. In fact, I didn't even know it was a Democrat Communist Party. I just thought, those seem like nice people. And yeah, they don't really make sense. And they talk about race and sex and all sorts of identity characteristics way too much. And I know that they have this strange history where they were the party of the KKK and Jim Crow. But there was a switcheroo that happened. And I bought into it just like... A great number of Americans bought into it, but it turns out it isn't true. And the television doesn't tell you part of the truth. They tell you all of the lies because they don't want you to know any part of the truth. Once you discover one part of the truth, you might wonder if there's more truth out there that you have been misled about. And then you'll discover, oh, yes, there actually is a lot of truth that I've been misled about. How could this be? I am an educated person. I am a good person. Well, you are also misled about the importance of politics in your life at the local level, at the national level, and at the world level. And when you choose not to participate because you have been made to feel that you have no voice, that you have no power, when you allow that apathy to settle in over your life and when you abandon your moral responsibility to those around you, your friends, your family, your community, because you think you can't make a difference, you think it won't make a difference, it doesn't matter what you think because nothing can change and so you stay right where you are and fail to realize that your inaction and your intention is also a moral choice that has consequences for you and for your community and for the world. And so last night in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a man named Daryl Brooks Jr. drove a car through a Christmas parade. Killing so far a reported five people with 40 more injured, including the elderly and including children. And I don't want to focus too much time and energy on this story because I think we will find out eventually that this is being used as a false flag distraction, which I do not say to imply in any way that it is less tragic than it is. It is a horrific scene. The video is awful to watch. The impact on the families of the people who were victims of this deranged psychopath will be profound, and it is all very sad. But we're also not going to know all of the critical details immediately. And what we will end up having is a broad cultural conversation where we bicker about what those details and what they mean before we have a full understanding of what's even happened. And that is exactly where events like this can push us off the path. Tomorrow. 20 plus attorneys general from around the country, that's what we anticipate, will be bringing a Quo Warranto case before the Supreme Court with all of the evidence of election fraud since November 3rd, 2020, and likely evidence of election fraud before that time as well. I don't know that to be true, but I expect it to be true. And I expect it to be true in two senses, I suppose. One being evidence from the 2020 cycle where the fraud occurred in the run-up to the election. But I would not be surprised in the least if we saw evidence from prior elections, 2018, 2016, and perhaps even before that. We know that evidence exists. We know that it was monitored by the same people monitoring This election, if that part of the theory is true, and I think there's overwhelming evidence that it is, I think there's overwhelming evidence that election fraud has been going on for a long time, and I think that we're going to see some of that at least represented in this case. But again, I'm speculating here. I am making my best guess. Tomorrow we will know for sure. So let's talk a little bit about what happened in Waukesha and I want to start with a gab post by Claude at Kiwi farm CC I don't know who this person is but they make the right point and someone posted it into the chat and I think it's worth sharing he wrote open my news extension thing there was a car accident in a crowd people injured we don't know who did it or why open 4chan slash kiwi farms and I don't have a lot of familiarity with Kiwi Farms, whatsoever. 4chan is just an anonymous message board. There was a car incident at a Christmas market, at least five dead. Here is the car of the guy, his name, his face, his YouTube, his Twitter, his political views, his criminal history, the DA that freed him, and what his dog ate yesterday. This is just silly at this point. And he's right. You can find all of the information you need to begin to understand what this may have been and who this criminal was and what actually happened by simply turning off the corporate news and moving yourself over to alternative media and platforms where actual people are doing actual research and being honest about what they find and what it might mean. And in the interest of doing that, I'm not going very deep, just to Kyle Becker's Becker News, and Kyle Becker's not nobody. He's got a blue check on Twitter. That means he's somebody, but he's also an alternative media truth teller who does great work. He's fast, he's thorough, he's very accurate, and he's on it all the time. Police dismiss Waukesha suspects' radical BLM views, downplay racial motive with excuse for parade massacre. And this is from Becker News Today. In Waukesha, Wisconsin, on an otherwise pleasant Sunday afternoon just 23 miles away from riot-torn Kenosha, a small-town parade filled with smiling children marching through the streets to mark the holiday season. Then horror struck. A red SUV drove through the crowd, killing five people and injuring at least 40 others, including numerous small children. The graphic videos of the terrifying event spread across social media. Shocked parents were forced to pick up the bloodied and mangled bodies of innocent little ones who had been enjoying the parade outdoors. At least 12 adults and 11 children were sent to six local hospitals by emergency response personnel, the Waukesha police chief said Sunday. The police chief, fire chief, and mayor gave a press conference on the event, but appeared reticent to give any identifying information on the suspects or persons of interest. It soon became apparent that there may be certain facts about the prime suspect driving the red SUV. The authorities did not feel prepared to disclose to the public one ostensible reason. There were reports that the suspects and persons of interest in the attack were black males. The Waukesha police scanner reported on Facebook that law enforcement was seeking a Male, black, 20s, long dreads, black mask, driving a white Ford. A news report aired a witness who said it was a black guy with dreadlocks. The witness was named as Rick McCoy, a customer of Nice Ash Cigar Bar. It turns out the eyewitness's account was accurate. And here is that account. It was a black guy with dreadlocks by himself. I don't know if you want to use that. Okay. Well, listen,
1: and, Rick, and I'm not, listen, Hey, I'm a black guy. So I'm not, you know, saying that because I'm not, you know, a white guy walk am so saying black guys did it. Okay. But this is what uh, her daughter said. Rick, I should inform
0: you right now. You are on live television. So, uh, we, oh, really? everything you say we we are using. So we, we want to, we want to okay. be careful. well I'm, I'm telling you. Okay. And and we are going to, you know, listen, you are an eyewitness account and we're taking you at your word. We are going to work to confirm these details later. Can you hear the fear in the news script reader's voice as he realizes that what just went out on live television is going to hurt the propaganda effort that he himself is engaged in? The eyewitness wasn't incorrect. He wasn't saying anything racial. He was simply stating a real fact about the situation, and that is enough to make the news anchor very scared. Back to Becker News. The suspect identified for the terrifying act was Daryl Edward Brooks Jr. He is a felon with a sex offender record and a lengthy criminal background, including counts for felony domestic abuse, sex offenses, resisting an officer, and possession of cocaine. As noted by film director Mike Cernovich, Brooks had been released from jail earlier in the week on a $1,000 bond, and this was on Friday, the day that the Rittenhouse verdict... Was passed down. The district attorney in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is a Soros affiliated DA named John Chisholm. And isn't it amazing how often Soros affiliated DAs help empty the prisons of violent criminals, including rapists and sex offenders, and then those very same violent criminals immediately engage in political violence? And there is some support that this is one of those cases. I am not saying for certain that this is political violence, but we can say for certain that this guy had very strong political views. And it's possible that may have played a part in what we saw yesterday. And Jack Posobiec has now tweeted, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Daryl Brooks Jr. was out on bail after he was charged with purposefully running over a woman with his vehicle isn't that incredible thousand dollars bond but back to becker news the authorities however are now claiming that brooks was merely fleeing the scene from another crime and that there are no signs of a radicalized background Officials said that preliminary investigation showed the driver was not aiming at the marching band or any other parade participant, but was speeding through the route to flee an earlier crime, multiple law enforcement sources told ABC News. Authorities spent the overnight hours scouring social media and other digital platforms associated with the person of interest who is now in custody. They have, at least so far, no reason to believe there is any connection to radicalization, ABC reported. This is like when they report that there is no evidence of election fraud. They can't actually make the positive case, the affirmative case, that what they're saying is true. But they want to let you know that anyone who's saying the other thing is doing so for no reason. And that is always because the actual evidence that does exist does not support their narrative. If there is overwhelming circumstantial evidence on one side and zero evidence on the other side, a normal person with decent judgment will side with all of the circumstantial evidence, despite what the authority figures in the media tell them they're supposed to believe. Now, I have no problem saying that I don't know for sure what the motivation here is, but we have plenty of evidence indicating who this person is and what this person believes, and we'll go through some of that in a second. But that's not how the media is handling this. The media is trying to make sure that no one will believe it could be anything other than a mystery as of right now. What they are trying to do is protect their overall narrative. They don't want this to be yet another obvious example of how the entire narrative is incorrect. Back to Becker News. However, scouring the social media accounts of Daryl Edward Brooks shows that he was a radicalized BLM activist, self-proclaimed sex trafficker and black supremacist. Here is Edwards in his own words as relayed via a social media account called The Cocaina, and he links the account at Mr. Newcomb. And let's check out this lovely post. And then as soon as we fall out, all of a sudden now I'm a pedophile. Let me explain that. Ten years ago, 2006, I caught a case with my oldest daughter's mama. Yes, my baby mama. She's from Oakland. I was busting moves in Nevada. I met the bitch. She said she wanted to get down, so I'm pimping on the bitch. I'll take her to Nevada. You know what I'm saying? I get cracked. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know the bitch was 16 at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, yeah, she was hoeing, that I was pimping, and and uh, that she was 16, and that I didn't know that. Okay. Thank goodness for George Soros' DAs that he has set up in cities all around this country. We wouldn't want people like this to have to go to prison for what is commonly called, on the communist left, no reason. Now, a lot of the posts out there today talk about Daryl Brooks Jr. being a pedophile for this situation. And the narrative on the left is, in the Democrat Communist Party and among its supporters, is that what he just described is not pedophilia, it's something else. That what he just described is simply him pimping and that girl doing sex work, which is a real job and an important job. And of course, he said he didn't know she was underage and we should take this criminal at his word. But let's be clear. He was having sex with a 16-year-old woman while he was a grown man. And he was also transporting her to a different state to traffic her for sex. Now, I'm not one of the leaders of the Me Too movement, but this sounds worse than asking someone out on a date at a Christmas party Or having consensual sex with someone and then that person not being totally happy about their memories of that experience and then trying to destroy someone's life. These aren't really comparable things to me. But then again, I'm a conspiracy theorist and, and I'm a man. So I could never understand what it must be like for a woman to have to endure that and how much worse that must be than being Sex trafficked by this guy. But this is definitionally child sex trafficking. And yet the communists will rationalize it. And then once they rationalize it, they will say that both of these people are actually products of a white supremacist system that forces them into acting this way. Which is strange because I would go ahead and bet my life that the vast majority of black Americans do not find that acceptable in any way. And they're not engaging in it, despite how white supremacist America is. They chose to work hard for a living and live moral lives instead of be that guy. And you would think by now, That the Democrat Communist Party and its supporters would realize how racist their rationalizations for this behavior actually are. And they should maybe finally realize that rationalizing this behavior at all for any reason actually makes you as immoral. He's also talking about a woman who has mothered his child. But it's only one of his children. That's his oldest child. You heard him say that. But let's hear some more from him. If you know you behind closed doors doing the faggotry, come out the closet, man. This the kid Jay Fly, man. You know what I'm saying? Milwaukee stared up. So that's pretty woke. He's also posted memes calling white people the enemy, saying that Hitler knew who the real Jews were, and he has glorified Black Lives Matter Antifa domestic terrorism from last year, including specific instances of violence against white people. He's posted a meme where white men are bent over picking cotton with a black man ready to whip them from behind. He's posted that the police are a violent street gang. And honestly, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. He has arrests for obstructing an officer, felony bail jumping, second-degree recklessly endangering safety, multiple domestic abuse assessments, disorderly conduct, battery. And let's go to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for a second, just so we can get the mainstream point of view. This is from this morning. Suspect in Waukesha Christmas Parade incident has been identified as Daryl Brooks Jr. The driver suspected of plowing through the Waukesha holiday parade, killing at least five people and injuring more than 40 others, had an ongoing domestic violence case and was out of custody after prosecutors recommended a, quote, inappropriately low bail in the case. The Milwaukee County district attorney's office said Monday, Daryl Brooks, Jr., the man suspected of being the driver has been charged three times in less than two years with recklessly endangering the safety of others. Most recently on November 5th, as part of a domestic abuse incident for which he was also charged with resisting or obstructing an officer in the case this month, a woman told police Brooks purposefully ran her over with his vehicle, While she was walking through a gas station parking lot after he had followed her there after a fight, according to the criminal complaint, the woman was hospitalized for her injuries. Court records show Brooks posted a thousand dollar bond. On November 11th in the most recent incident and was released from Milwaukee County Jail on November 16th, according to the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office. He was also charged in July 2020 with two felony counts of second degree, recklessly endangering the safety of others using a dangerous weapon. Both cases are ongoing. The recent thousand dollar bail recommended by prosecutors and accepted by the court commissioner was, quote, inappropriately low. Given the nature Of the charges, according to a statement Monday from the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office, led by District Attorney John Chisholm, the bail was also not consistent with the office's approach to cases involving violent crime, nor was it consistent with the risk assessment of the defendant prior to the setting of bail. The statement read. This office is currently conducting an internal review of the decision to make the recent bail recommendation in this matter in order to determine the appropriate next steps. They're going to investigate themselves for something they did intentionally because now it's inconvenient. An attorney representing Brooks in his current Milwaukee County case declined to answer questions about the most recent charge there. The attorney, Joseph Domask, told the Journal Sentinel he is not representing him in the Waukesha incident. Authorities have not publicly disclosed what they believe was the man's motivation. One law enforcement source told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel the man had been involved in an earlier incident on Sunday, possibly also related to domestic abuse, just before the parade carnage occurred. Police are expected to release more information at a news conference this afternoon. Isn't it interesting that they have one law enforcement source, but they won't identify who the law enforcement source is? Now, if the law enforcement source has a direct connection to this case, why are they making a statement to the paper and not identifying themselves? Why aren't they just waiting for the press conference later? And why is it a law enforcement source and not a source from the Milwaukee PD? or Waukesha officials, or something similar. And I don't know this to be true, but that sounds like the sort of way they might describe the FBI if the FBI was weighing in to influence the narrative in a way they thought would be more helpful. Dozens of witness videos show a red SUV hurtling through the parade and appeared to show the vehicle hitting members of the Waukesha South High School, Black Shirt Band, the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies, and a children's dance group. Early Monday morning, the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies confirmed some of their members had died. And now let's jump quickly to the Daily Mail. Rapper SUV Driver 39 was out on bail for running over mother of his child when he plowed through Waukesha Christmas Parade, killing five and injuring 40. Rap sheet dates back to 1999. And now think about what we just read in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. They did not identify the woman he had recently run over as the mother of his child. Why not? Should we expect they don't know? Their story was published hours ago. How come it hasn't been updated? Why wouldn't they tell you that detail? And let's listen to how they describe that incident one more time. In the case this month, a woman told police Brooks purposefully ran her over with his vehicle while she was walking through a gas station parking lot after he had followed her there after a fight, according to the criminal complaint. So again, why isn't she identified and what is our very responsible media trying to do? And let's jump back to Becker News just to finish this off. This may not seem like a radicalized background to police authorities, but between the Illuminati symbols, anti-Semitic Hitler praising rants and fantasies about enslaving white people, there is ample reason here to scrutinize the suspect's motivation, even if, quote, fleeing another crime. Most would say that a radical Black Lives Matter supporter with a black supremacist worldview is relevant background particularly given the suspect drove through a parade of white children. Now, let's see how this was covered this morning on MSNBC. That at this stage of the investigation, at this moment, at least
1: what they've uncovered so far, there's no indication or nexus to terrorism here, either foreign inspired, think uh, something along the lines of an ISIS inspired attack, nothing domestic, something that might have to do with a racial uh, or ethnic motive. So there's no indication of that so far in this investigation. There's also no indication so far that this has anything to do with a retaliation or retaliatory uh, attack uh, um, tied to the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict either. So I think those are two important things
0: to say right away. So we don't know what happened or why he did it, but we do know that it wasn't foreign terrorism. Thank goodness we have the mainstream media to figure that out. We know it wasn't domestic terrorism with a racial element because domestic terrorism equals racial crime perpetuated by white people. So this can't be that. And we know that it doesn't have anything to do with the Rittenhouse verdict, even though we don't know any of those things. But it's just really important to put out to the child brains in the MSNBC audience that none of these things are things we know. And the truth is, we probably can't ever know. Uh, We're
1: also being told that essentially this is the chain of events is is police best understand it at this time. So there was some sort of a a knife fight or stabbing that occurred in a nearby park um, in in this town, in this city uh, yesterday. And then this person of interest who's being uh, questioned at this time or was at least being questioned into the late hours last night uh, is somebody who uh, was involved in that. And in the course of fleeing that, uh, drove into this parade and obviously killed and injured
0: uh, a number of adults and children. Now, I think a couple of things that we're still trying to get a handle on is. okay. so we are not allowed to say his name, as you can hear from MSNBC's crack reporting. When it's a black criminal shot by police, you have to hashtag say his name. But if it's a black criminal who is not shot by police and it doesn't help their narrative, then you don't say his name. And the best indications are that he was fleeing another criminal incident, a knife fight or stabbing. Now, I have not been involved in knife fight and stabbing incidents, but I would think that you don't need to flee at high speed. Through barriers and people, if you are attempting to escape from a person with a knife and if he was fleeing, where the hell is the other car or was he just being chased on foot by a very fast stabbing victim? Uh, Why did this person choose this particular route to flee this
1: crime? Uh, Obviously, as we just saw from that map, there's more than one street. Um, So
0: uh, we need to try to get a better sense of, of why they chose this particular path. Now, maybe it's just me, but that is a very, very strange question. Why did he choose this particular route? He just asked that question twice and you'll hear him readdress it later. This is repetition, and it's clearly a focus on a particular aspect that is kind of nonsensical. This feels like narrative seeding to me. They want people to have ideas that are based on nothing, but they want them to engage certain questions so that they can steer the conversation to these unanswered questions that do nothing but distract from what really happened.
1: Uh, Based on our reporting, based on public uh, source information that we've been able to look into, this person has a a deep and detailed criminal history, uh, a history of violence. So that's something that we'll uh, be taking a closer look at. Same with law enforcement today. So we'll be following that. Uh, I think a a couple of other things that we'll be keeping an eye on is, uh, uh, you know, was this person uh, being chased at all? If not, then again, why did they choose
0: this route? This person, this person, this person, why did they choose this route? All the comments about the things we don't know are in question form that nonetheless lead listeners to a certain conclusion. And then the piece of information that we do know, which is who this person is, Daryl Brooks Jr., that piece of information they will not say. Um, so you can understand okay. why we're being so cautious at this
1: stage, Joe and Mika, um, as far as why we're, we're saying, look, it's still early in the investigation. But based on that, uh, we're getting some indications that this is not terrorism related.
0: So let's be clear. They're saying this is not terrorism related. They're saying they have strong reason to believe this has nothing to do with that. He was merely fleeing something, though they're not sure what it was. And the reason that they're only asking misleading questions rather than sharing the facts that they do know is because they're being especially cautious because it's early in the investigation and they don't want people to get the wrong idea. So what they're going to do is obscure the issue as much as they can until everyone convinces themselves that this Unknown information is actually the really critical stuff, not the information that we know. And hopefully people will just stop talking about it and then we'll never know.
1: Well, again, the the information Mm -hmm. that you've been getting uh, in in your reporting and others have been getting through the night uh, again, and that's just where we are right now at 607 a.m. on the East Coast on Monday morning is uh, that that. This was uh, a person with a long criminal history fleeing a knife fight uh, in a nearby park. And uh, again, based on your reporting, it just seems like he was finding a route
0: to escape that knife fight, that it it was actually uh, more of a random, random choice. Do you see how that works rhetorically? Those questions were just stated as unknowns by this very, very good reporter. And then Joe Scarborough took that and reshaped it and made all of those questionable claims a declarative statement. But you can't accuse them of propagandizing you because they are leaving open the position of doubt, thereby being very responsible newsmen. That's what all
1: indications are at this point. Uh, I'd like to know why he chose this particular route. Uh, Also, there was some indication in recent court filings that he may have been uh, in trouble with the law in the past several weeks. So was this somebody who just decided, I'm not going back to jail and I want to do a lot of harm and saw a a target of opportunity in this Christmas parade? Either way, it's just a shocking and horrific crime. Having seen the video that you played there uh, until
0: its conclusion is apparent, it's just very difficult to look at, Joe. So now we have the reporter agreeing with Joe's declarative statement, repeating again his question, why did he choose this route, and then giving information we know to be true as if it is on the same level as what he is questioning. And after listening to that for the full three plus minutes of that clip, if you have it all together you have learned absolutely nothing. They're trying to figure out why he drove that direction. They are telling you that he was fleeing a knife fight, which doesn't even make sense. And then at the end of that, he said the guy could have been thinking, I don't want to go back to jail, so I'm going to cause as much damage as possible in a place where police are around and people are filming. That's something he did to get away from the knife fight because he didn't want to go to jail. And imagine listening to all of this taking it all very seriously, and then incorporating all of these things right into your understanding, adding them to your own personal narrative. You go out, you repeat all of these slogans at work. You feel very informed while doing it since you just got a report on the ground. And all of a sudden, you find yourself unable to make the simple statement That this was not a random accident. It was an intentional crime committed by a career criminal who imagines himself a political activist who was just released from prison on an inappropriately low bail by a George Soros district attorney. And the child brains in the MSNBC audience will take all of that and think, ah, these things happen. And so now the mainstream media has seeded this narrative that Daryl Brooks Jr. was fleeing from something and just inadvertently chose to drive his car through barriers and people with police around and people filming it because he didn't want to go to jail. It would be a shame if we found out that he wasn't fleeing anything. It would kind of make Joe Scarborough and these MSNBC clowns look like they're lying. So let's hear an update from Waukesha police chief Daniel Thompson.
1: I want to dispel some rumors. There's no pursuit that led up to this incident. This is not a terrorist event.
0: Oh. Oh. One might think that those two statements could be in contradiction, but we got to trust the police chief. There was no pursuit. Mm. That's too bad that our mainstream media has spent the entire morning and part of last night telling us that that's exactly what happened. And then he adds on that this is not a terrorist incident. Now, I am not trying to say that I know for sure, and I'm not prepared yet to call this a terrorist incident. But the weight of the evidence would be on that side of things. I know for a fact that if this was a parade celebrating Jewish holidays or Muslim holidays, every mainstream outlet in the world would be saying that this is a domestic terrorism event and an incident of white supremacist domestic terror. And it's possible that they might even try to pull that off While the suspect is black, but let's get into a little more of how the communists have reacted to this situation. This is a Twitter verified Democrat political candidate in Wisconsin. His name is Randy Bryce. He wrote, apparently this vehicle fired a rifle into the crowd and proceeded to mow people down at Waukesha holiday parade. Why not claim self-defense? And he has apparently taken that tweet down. I wonder why. But let's check out some more reaction from the Democrat Communist Party. Illinois Dem blasted for calling Wisconsin Christmas rampage karma. This is your own Steinbook in the New York Post today. An Illinois Democrat has been blasted for describing the deadly Christmas parade rampage in Wisconsin as karma for the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. Mary Lemansky, who is listed as the social media director for the Democrat Party in DuPage County, began her heartless online tirade by snarkily dismissing the tragedy as just self-defense. It was probably just self-defense, Lemansky wrote in a tweet that appears to have since been deleted, according to Fox News. Living in Wisconsin, he probably felt threatened, another tweet, which was still online Monday morning, read, referring to the driver being held as a person of interest in the Waukesha incident, which left five people dead and dozens hurt. I'm sure he didn't want to hurt anyone. He came to help people, she added in her sarcasm-laced missive. Lemansky, who also lists herself as an acting student with the famed Second City Improvisational Comedy Group in Chicago, also wrote that the Christmas parade rampage was karma in another tweet that appears to have since been deleted. I'm sad anytime anyone dies. I just believe in karma. And this came around quick on the citizens of Wisconsin. Lemansky wrote, according to Fox News, you reap what you sow. It's sad people died, but when you open the door to vigilante justice, everyone seems threatening. She then added in a tweet that was still online Monday morning. Lemansky appeared to be mocking Rittenhouse's self-defense claim before the 18-year-old was acquitted Friday on charges of homicide, attempted homicide and reckless endangerment in the deaths of Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber and the wounding of Gage Grosskreutz on August 25th, 2020. On Monday morning, Lemansky said in a tweet, I'm going to hell because I already made a deal with the devil that nobody else on earth will go to hell if I go. So you're welcome. Lemansky then posted a link to a report in The Hill about NAACP president Derek Johnson calling the acquittal a warning shot that vigilante justice is allowed. She wrote, oh, look, I was right. NAACP president calls Rittenhouse verdict a warning shot that vigilante justice is allowed. Lemansky faced backlash over her comments and it goes on. I'm not really sure if she knows how karma works. First of all, Kyle Rittenhouse was rightfully acquitted by a jury of his peers in an open trial that was broadcast online and on television. Also, I don't think that grandmothers and children dying and being maimed by a career criminal constitutes karma. Even if somehow the justice system failed, the child molester and domestic abuser who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, karmic retribution would not be enacted this way. But these aren't the only prominent communists to have similar reactions. Uh, One of the dumbest actors in Hollywood and one of the most prominent, useful idiots in the entire Democrat communist movement is Mark Ruffalo, who is taken seriously for his political views because he plays a cartoon character in movies and does Warren Buffett's bidding. He said, we come together to mourn the lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives and devalued the lives of Anthony and Jojo. Hashtag Kenosha. After all we have seen and heard about these weapons of war, these killing machines, there is no doubt that people who faced this young man were more afraid of him than he was of them. He was the one with a weapon of war loaded and ready to be used on people. He says this, knowing that the other men were armed and trying to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. Justice weeps bitterly today. We are coming together to heal the scars left by wounds of this grief. We will care for each other and remember why we continue to march. And he hashtags some communist organizations. Now, I want to focus on the first part of that, okay? because Jojo is Joseph Rosenbaum. And to find out more about Rosenbaum, let's go to the communist janitor website, Snopes, the fact checker, a site so depraved that they exist only to pretend the state media propaganda is right, even after it's been proven wrong. And I'm going to jump down halfway because this is a very, very long and stupid fact check, but you get down to the part that says what's true and false about the victim's criminal histories. The viral claims alleging unlawful behavior by Huber, Rosenbaum and Grosskreutz before the Kenosha shooting were a mixture of truth and falsehoods. For example, yes, at age 19, Rosenbaum was sentenced to prison for sexually abusing five children, all boys between the ages of nine and 11 in Arizona's Pima County in early 2002 according to his case file obtained via a public records request by Snopes. The document said Rosenbaum was temporarily living with the boy's parents after his mother had kicked him out for disobeying her rules about one month earlier. Over the course of his weeks long stay. Rosenbaum molested the boys, showed them porn and performed oral sex on them, among other offenses. The documents showed he was sentenced to prison for roughly 15 years and authorities believed at the time, quote, his risk to recidivate being of great concern to the community. End quote. Considering the victim's gender and age. Let us note here. The records included an interview with Rosenbaum in which he said his stepfather sexually abused him and his brother on an almost daily basis when he was a preteen. You got that? That's the sort of thing that Jen Psaki calls providing context, which is they add other information in an attempt to make the thing that is bad-sounding for them sound not as bad. Because what that does is trigger in the minds of all the child-brained communists that Rosenbaum actually was not the guilty person. He was a victim who in turn victimized others. And instead of feeling animosity toward the child rapist, what we should really feel is sympathy. These people are sick. Considering that evidence, the claim that Rosenbaum at one point was convicted of sexually abusing at least one child before his death was true. Imagine attempting to restate what I just read you 30 seconds ago like that. And let's just see who Anthony is. Next, we analyze the criminal records involving Huber, and determined it also accurate to state he was charged with domestic abuse. We uncovered a Kenosha County criminal complaint that outlined his first serious run-in with law enforcement in December 2012. And per that complaint, Huber, who was 18 years old at the time, threatened his brother and grandmother at their home with a knife choked the brother, and demanded that they follow his orders. The complaint said the brother wanted to take Huber to a hospital, apparently for emergency mental health help, but Huber resisted. In the end, he was charged with strangulation and suffocation and false imprisonment, both of which are felony crimes. On another occasion, about three years later, Huber paid a roughly $150 citation for possessing drug paraphernalia, court records showed. Then in 2018, Huber was charged with disorderly conduct, a misdemeanor offense, after a fight with his sister at their house, per a criminal complaint by Kenosha prosecutors. So that is Anthony and Jojo, as Mark Ruffalo calls them. Jojo. Now, I don't know if he saw this as an actual nickname for this person somewhere else, and he's just using it, but... Unless I'm confused, Mark Ruffalo is not friends with these people. So, what he's doing is intentionally trying to humanize them in the eyes of the public so that the public will see Kyle Rittenhouse as a murderer, even though it is clear from the trial and the evidence that he was absolutely and unquestionably acting in self defense. Joseph Rosenbaum raped five boys. Between the ages of nine and 11 and one of our most prominent actors is calling him Jojo to make him sound friendly. And let's check in with one more very prominent communist, Pedro Pascal from Disney's The Mandalorian. He tweeted Joseph Rosenbaum, 36 and Anthony Huber, 27, murdered August 25th, 2020 rest in peace. Now I know, I know it's very, very bad to call communists communists just because they support communism. They're rich. So they have to be capitalists. You fucking idiots. I can't believe I have listened to this nonsense for a year. Blaze Media, November 21st, yesterday. Protesters angry over Rittenhouse acquittal demand communist revolution. The only solution is communist revolution. This is Chris Enloe, E-N-L-O-E. And actually, this article is for some reason hard to find in an internet search, including on quant. I was literally searching almost the entire title and had to give up because it wasn't coming up. I actually had to go to the blaze and use the search feature in the website to find it. Maybe you'll have better luck in another search engine, but I just had noticed how utterly ridiculous it was that I couldn't find this. Protesters angry that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of all criminal charges against him gathered in Chicago on Saturday and demanded a communist revolution. Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Push Coalition led the protest in downtown Chicago. Jackson called the Rittenhouse verdict a, quote, major blow against justice and open season by violence of right wing military. According to TV. The protesters reportedly demanded the Justice Department intervene and investigate the Rittenhouse trial because the jury was, quote, mostly white. Oh, hey, so is the country. It's supposed to be a jury of your peers, not a jury of fellow communists who are going to give you the outcome you ask for. However, data from the U.S. Census Bureau shows that nearly 80 percent of Kenosha residents are, in fact, white. Video taken from the rally showed demonstrators parading down Chicago streets with a large sign that read, Rittenhouse, guilty, 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 no fascist USA, organize now for real revolution. Another sign read, end the Trump era, stop white supremacy. The crowd was chanting, if we don't get it, shut it down and no justice, no peace. At one point during the demonstrations, protesters began openly calling for a communist revolution. The only solution is communist revolution. The only solution is communist revolution. The only solution is communist revolution, the crowd chanted. That's right. We need communism. That's what we need. We need that. We need that, sister. We need that very much other protesters who spoke to local media voiced frustrations using trite talking points. I'm still very, very disappointed. Just a travesty of justice. The illegal gun possession, the Kenosha police basically deputizing him. All of it is based in racism. One protester told WGN TV. Another protester told the same outlet the house verdict represents, quote, a green light for more white supremacy vigilante terror, end quote. Now, Did you hear that part above how the crowd was seeking action by the Justice Department? Isn't that interesting that the protesters are calling for the very thing that the prominent members of the Democrat Communist Party in power right now are calling for, which is federal action against a man who was already acquitted on all counts and had the charge about illegal gun possession thrown out because it simply wasn't true. These people do not care. Black Lives Matter is a communist organization. These protests are not real protests. They are funded. They are planned. They have specific purposes and they exist to threaten and propagandize the American public. How did Jesse Jackson get there? You can watch the video that is embedded in this article and see Jesse Jackson, not chanting, barely able to walk, being held up by the people next to him. They just trot him out there so that this can get attention. And then they call for communism in his name. So they're now saying it openly, but somehow I'm supposed to feel bad or inaccurate or like an extremist. Because I've been saying it for the entire time when it was also obviously true if you have two functioning brain cells to rub together and don't feel the need to lie to protect your public image. But this movement has never been anything other than this. Patrice Cullors, the Black Lives Matter founder, said she is a trained Marxist organizer. One of their main goals is to dissolve the nuclear family. They're not out there marching for less expensive health care or a fairer justice system. They don't want to defund the police because they think that will lead to less violence. They want to defund the police so that it can be replaced with a federalized law enforcement agency that meets out justice from the top down, according to political priorities. You know, like the FBI. But people don't pay attention to those facts, just like they don't pay attention to the fact that Black Lives Matter donations are filtered through Act Blue, which is the payment platform of the Democrat Communist Party. And they don't know who makes the donations and they don't know where the donations go and why. Because Black Lives Matter has what they call a fiscal sponsor, which is basically a Tax umbrella so that they don't have to put out any of this information. It is all handled by their fiscal sponsor. Their fiscal sponsor is called Thousand Currents. On the executive board of Thousand Currents sits a woman named Susan Rosenberg. Susan Rosenberg was part of an organization called the May 19th Communist Organization. The May 19th Communist Organization bombed the US Capitol. But don't worry. They called first to say they were doing it so that they didn't hurt anybody. So that wasn't a very violent insurrection, and it wasn't the worst incident of violence since the Civil War like the FBI staging January 6th was. But nonetheless, Susan Rosenberg was imprisoned for 16 years until Bill Clinton pardoned her on his last day in office. And now she makes sure nobody can track the money that flows through Black Lives Matter in conjunction with the Democrat Communist Party. Gosh, it's so hard to understand why I say the things I say. How could I say such an offensive thing? About this beautiful social justice organization that is just trying to stop black criminals from being killed while they are resisting arrest for their crimes. At least when they're not trying to bail child rapists out of prison, as Kamala Harris did and other useful idiots did for the Minnesota Freedom Fund. But don't worry. None of this is connected. None of it is coordinated. And certainly none of it is communist. I'm just a conspiracy theorist. So take another mask selfie, child brains. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator dot dot com. And the merch site is cancel dot com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the rain.